This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Coo Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grawl, New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore or mythology, we retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan. I am your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 141 of Fireside. Today on the Irish Storytelling Podcast, we continue our look at Welsh mythology with the stories of the Mabinogion. This is our third tale of the night Peredir, and this is the story of Peredir and the Serpent of the Cairn. But first, if you are new and indeed a returning listener, uh, and or indeed a returning listener, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if this is your first episode, why don't you listen to this and head back to at least Pulch, Prince of David, to see what we've been doing with Welsh mythology over the last couple of months. And if you enjoy that, why don't you head right back to the very beginning, episode one, nearly three years ago now, to see what we've been building up to over the journey and the course of Fireside. If you're a returning listener, thank you so, so much for your continued support. Please do follow me over on Instagram at FiresideBard. Uh, email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com if you're not on social media. They're the best places to say hello, to get in touch. Let me know if you have any thoughts, questions, queries. Always love hearing from each and every one of you. And if you really want to support the podcast, you can do so over at headstuffpodcast.com. The link is in the description where you can join Headstuff Plus, where for as little as €5 Euro a month, although you can pay more if you want, you can gain access to bonus material, not just for Fireside, but for all of the podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network. And there is a latest piece of bonus material exclusively on Headstuff Plus, which is my interview with Mark Williams, the author of the incredible book on Irish mythology, Ireland's Immortals. That's there as a members-only exclusive as well as a few other bonus episodes since the launch of Headstuff Plus earlier this year. But no hard sell on that. That's there if you want to support and if you are in a position to. If not, why don't you just tell a friend about Fireside if you're enjoying it. All of that always helps to keep the podcast growing and keep it reaching as large and as wide an audience as possible. But the story for this week is, yes, the third episode we have had centered around the knight Peredir, or Percival, as he is known as in Arthurian romance. This is still technically the first of the Welsh romances, the first of the three, but it has been such an epic saga and and with such individual sections that originally I thought it was going to be three episodes, then it has turned into four. It really could be five, but there was one kind of tiny chapter which I felt didn't really either deserve its own episode or really fit in with uh, any of the others except as an addendum to maybe the first one. But this is probably my favourite of the four episodes, uh, of the four stories of Peredir I have adapted. 
We will chat a bit more afterwards, of course, but this is the story of Peredia and the Serpent of the Cairn on Fireside. Peredia and the Serpent of the Cairn Peredia had been out hunting with King Arthur. That night, the young knight came upon a castle where he found three men playing chess. The men invited Peredir to dine with them, and a feast was prepared as they awaited the return of the lord of the house. A maiden came up to Peredir at dinner and said, Sir, I think you should leave, because if you stay, you will be killed by my father. And why would I be killed? asked Peredir. Because my father is a wicked and malicious man, and he spares no one. Peredia was not convinced, but when the girl's father arrived home, Peredia was greeted with a great big man with thick black hair. What of his face that was visible was creviced and cut, and the man was missing his left eye. As his servants removed his armor, the maiden went up to her father and said, Lord, please do not harm the young squire who feasts in your home tonight. And the black-haired man said, For you, daughter, I will spare him. So the feast began, and the wine flowed, and Peredir soon became very drunk. Despite his considerable accomplishments, Peredir was still very young and couldn't really hold his drink. In a stupor, the knight slurred to the black-haired man, I am surprised, lord, that, as powerful as you are famed to be, how is it that you lost your eye? The black-haired man rose and replied, I have a curious rule in my household that anyone who asks me that question does not leave with his life, either for a price or by mercy. But the daughter again ran to her father. Father, do not blame the young foolish knight for what he says when he is full of drink. Sit down and enjoy yourself, and do not slay him this night. Very well, said the black-haired man. I will not slay him tonight. The uneasy feast continued until it was time for bed. Peredir slept and awoke with a sore head and a wake-up call that made his hangover even worse. It was the black-haired man who came into his room and said, Get up, sir. This is the day you die. Without armor or weapons, Peredir was brought to the main hall to face off against the full-armed and armored black-haired man. Lord, said Peredir, you are a man of honor with a clear code, but this is not an honorable fight. Either remove your own armor or allow me to fight with mine. You believe your armor will help you? So be it. Peredir was allowed his armor and his weapons, and the fight began. It was not long over. Peredir was much smaller and weaker, but he was fast and skilled and easily overpowered the brutish black-haired man. The man then cried for mercy. I will show you mercy, the mercy that you would never have shown me, but only under the condition that you tell me who you are and who put out your eye. 
I lost my eye fighting the serpent of the cairn. There is a mound called the Mound of Mourning, and in the mound there is a cairn, and in the cairn there is a serpent, and in the serpent's tail there is a stone, and whoever holds that stone in one hand shall have all the gold he can imagine in the other. I lost my eye fighting that serpent to steal that stone. I am known as the Black Oppressor because I have terrorized all around me and shown mercy to no one. How do I get to this mound? asked Peredir. There are many stages to the journey. When you leave here, you will first come to the court of the sons of the King of Suffering. Why is he called that? Because a lake monster kills his sons every single day. After that, you will come to the home of the Countess of the Feats. The Countess has a retinue of three hundred men who narrate all of her great accomplishments. Finally, that night, you should reach the Mound of Mourning. There, you will find the owners of three hundred pavilion tents who guard the Serpent of the Cairn. Thank you, said Peredir. But since you have been the oppressor for so long, I will make it so that you can oppress no one any longer. And Peredir slew the black oppressor on the bloodied floor of his own home. The daughter did not seem at all to mourn the death of her father. She said to Peredir, For slaying the black oppressor, all of the riches of his castle are yours and you may marry any of the ladies of his court. But Peredir said, I did not come for riches or marriage. I am happily married to a woman back at Camelot, and the sooner I slay this serpent, the sooner I may return home to her. So Peredir set off, and that night he came to the court of the sons of the King of Suffering. But there Peredir found only women until a horse arrived at court carrying the corpses of two dead men. The women of court removed the bodies and anointed them with strange creams and oils, and Peredir was astonished to watch the dead men rise alive once more. The young knight approached one of the recently deceased and asked what had happened. He was told that a monster killed them every day. Peredir said he would go and slay the monster, but he was warned against it. He was told that only the sons of the King of Suffering could be revived after facing the monster. If Peredir was killed, he would stay dead. Still, the next day Peredir left with the sons to face the monster. They came to a mound where sat a mysterious-looking woman. The woman said, I know what you seek, Peredir, son of Ephrog. You are going to face the monster but it will kill you, and not because it is brave, but cunning. It lives in a cave, and it can see all who enter, but no one can see the monster, for it kills all who enter with a poisonous stone spear. But if you promise to love me above all women, I will give you a stone that will allow you to see the monster when you enter the cave. Then, and only then will you be able to kill it. 
Heredia, knowing what he needed to say to get this stone, replied, I promise by my faith that I will love you. Now tell me where I may find you. When you search for me, look towards India. Then the maiden disappeared, and Peredia was left with the stone in his hand. Peredia next came to a mound where he met a squire. Peredia had never seen such a royal-looking squire. He was surrounded by spotted greyhounds, and there were three paths leading from the mound upon where he sat. Peredia asked the squire where the three pillars led. One goes to my court, and you are welcome to hunt with me today, and tonight we will go to my home and feast with my wife. The other path leads into town, where you can replenish your food and provisions for your journey ahead. The narrow path, however, leads to the monster's cave, so I can only urge you not to take that route. Peredia said, Thank you for your guidance and the offer of your hospitality, squire, but with all due respect, I will take the narrow path. And Peredia took the narrow path and Peredia reached the cave, and with the stone in his left hand and his sword in his right, Peredia entered the lair, saw the monster, and cut its head clean off. As the monster lay dead, Peredia came across three companions. They told him it had been foretold that Peredia would slay the beast. They each offered him half of their kingdoms and the choice of one of their sisters to take as a wife. I did not come for riches or a wife. Take this monster's head and live free of its tyranny. Peredia continued on his way until he was stopped by a knight in red armor. The knight asked if he could join Peredia as his squire. Peredia asked who the man was. I am called Edlin Gledif Goch, an earl from the eastern region. I am surprised you want to be my man. When I have no more land than you do, I am only an earl myself. But since you have asked, I will gladly take you on. They came to the court of the Countess of the Feats, but they were told the only way to sit beside the Countess herself was to overthrow her retinue of three hundred men. Once Peredia had easily done this, he sat next to the Countess, and she said, I am glad to meet a youth as handsome and brave as you, sir, since I have not had the love of the man whom I love. Who is it that you love? asked Peredia. His name is Edlin Gledif Goch, but I have not seen him in years. Lady, Edlin is my companion, and if I had not overpowered your retinue, he surely would have done even better than I. It would be my pleasure to reunite you. And Edlin and the Countess were united and slept together that night. But in the morning, as Peredia prepared to leave for the Mound of Mourning, Edlin said, By my faith, Lord, after what you have done for me, I will go with you to the Mound. They saw the three hundred pavilions before they saw the Mound itself. A vast array of canvas tents with flags high above them and the sound of loud and angry men bickering and sharpening swords. Peredir asked Edlem to approach the men and ask them to pay homage to him. When Edlem did so, he was refused. 
So Peredir said to go back and give them a choice. Either pay homage to Peredir or fight him. The men of the pavilions chose to fight. Peredir overthrew the owners of a hundred tents that very day and another hundred the next day. The final hundred men had sense, submitted and paid homage to Peredir. The knight asked him why they were there. We are guarding the serpent until it dies. Then we will fight each other. Whoever is victorious shall win the stone. Stay here, said Peredir. I will go and face the serpent. We will go with you, the men said. No, said Peredir. If we kill the serpent together, we will have to share the praise and the spoils. And I do not want to fight any more men this day. So Peredir set off on his own, came to the mound, descended into the cairn, found the serpent, killed it, and removed the stone from its tail. With the gold-producing stone, Peredir came back to the men at the pavilions and said, I will pay you all the gold for the time that you have spent here, and ask nothing more of you than for you to acknowledge yourselves as my men. Then Peredir turned to Edlin. Go home to your love. I will go my own way, and I hope that this will repay you for becoming my man. Peredir then gave the stone to Edelin. The overwhelmed knight said, Thank you, Peredir, and may God speed your journey. To be continued. Folks, as you all know, Fireside is a proud son of the Headstuff Podcast Network, which is Ireland's largest network of independent podcasts and a loving home for the creative and indeed the curious. There are so many other podcasts I could recommend to you on the network, some of which inspired me to approach Headstuff myself. Here's a taste of one you might enjoy. The World According to Wikipedia is a podcast that pops the hood of Wikipedia and invites you to take a look inside. Each episode we will talk to someone from the Wikimedia community on topics like why are only 18% of biographies about women? Can editing Wikipedia be a protest or activism? And what is it like for the communities working on the 200 plus Wikipedias that are not in English? Subscribe on your podcatcher of choice and follow us on Twitter at world underscore Wikipedia. And that is the story of Peredir and the Serpent of the Cairn on Fireside. And I hope you all enjoyed it. Yes, as I said before, this is probably my favourite of the stories of Peredir of the four that we've done. The three that you will have heard if you've been listening since uh, the first one a few weeks ago. And then there will be one more next week as well. But there's something incredibly, very satisfactorily contained in this story, which is always ones I like. As I say, even though there is a chronology, certainly with the Welsh mythology, it is part of a greater story, and, or certainly the, the four branches of the Mabinogion overlap and connect with each other. But when I adapt each of these stories, I would like them to be able to be listened to blindly each time, that you wouldn't have to have listened to the other stories to get them or enjoy them. I like for there to be rewarding details for those who keep along and those who have been listening for a long time, but that should be a bonus more than a prerequisite, that you should have to have listened to everyone to enjoy any individual story. But here we have just a very traditional knight's tale that is quite satisfying because 
it very it right out the door just has Peredir going and being greeted by this black haired one eyed man who is just inherently malevolent and Peredir gets drunk accuses or asks him why he has only one eye and that is enough of a crime for the black the black haired oppressor uh, to to sentence Peredir to death and when he is easily overpowered it sets Peredir on this great quest to find this serpent of the cairn because I love it, it's the mound, the mound of mourning. And in the morning, there is a ca- in the mound, there is a cairn, and in the cairn, there is a serpent, and in the serpent's tail, there is a stone. There's a very, there's a real storytelling satisfaction to re- reeling that off that I really, really enjoy. And there's also there's real sections to it. There's real benchmarkers. There's the three very distinct areas. There is the court of the sons of the king of suffering. There is the Countess of the Fates. And then finally, there's the Mound of Mourning with the 300 pavilions. There is these three markers, these three side quests leading up to the main quest for Peredir. And you see the massive influence in that, in not just in literature, but also in, in what became video games, particularly in the fantasy genre. The very idea of side quests comes from this notion of these knights wandering around the countryside off on their own individual tasks and being called to duty because they were these heroes, these superheroes of their day. And from my point of view, adapting this story, these benchmarks are when I can really have the most fun because they are the flags that move the plot along. And then I can just focus on how I would tell a piece a piece of, of introduction or exposition, how I would like the characters to speak, what I would like their dialogue to be, because I trust in the benchmarks throughout it. I know that we're going to be getting to the court of the king of the, the sons of suffering which to talk about that that's that's a really cool detail that they're trapped in this cycle by this monster where the sons of this king of suffering is the king of suffering because he has to watch his sons die every day his sons that are then instantly revived by the women of the house and then still are fated to go out and die again each day it's this vicious cycle of suffering that seems to be just specifically for them because they quite specifically say that if Peredir goes and fails and is killed by the monster, he will not be revived. So it is almost a very exclusive curse that the family of the Kings of Suffering is bound to this household and that they are trapped in this cycle, which, to be fair, Peredir is the one to break, whereupon he finds these three men these three companions who reveal he was fated to. And we have, similar to in the House of the Black Oppressor, we have this recurring thing with Peredir, where he is offered lands and his choice of women no matter where he goes, which presumably will become quite a common thing in these knights' tales. But Peredir has this this sense of chivalry and duty, and there was the entire previous story of the mute knight about his pursuit and his quest for his love, and it's quite nice, particularly with, with stories like this, where it's often the case where men will have many lovers and many wives, and women are expected just to be loyal and devoted to their heroic character, who is the center of the story. So I do quite like that Peredir has this sense of honor and duty, and I like that that is his thing, that he didn't go anywhere for the riches and the loyalty. There's, there's a piety to it almost, but I do quite like it, and it makes me quite like him as a character, considering he is 
more or less this blank slate like Aladdin or any of these central figures where the central heroes are never the more interesting characters. It's usually the villains or the supporting characters, which is certainly the case here where we then have our monsters and after he kills this first monster, we then get greeted with Edlin Gledif Goch, another incredible Welsh name that I hope I didn't totally butcher in my pronunciation of. And he asks to go along with Peredir on his quest and knows he's going through the Countess of the Feats, does not tell Peredir that he is actually her lover and that he is in love and wouldn't be able to, clearly wouldn't be able to overthrow these 300 retinue of men who guard the Countess, almost like when Odysseus arrives back from the Trojan War and Penelope, his wife, has all of these suitors that Odysseus then has to defeat to gain to win back favor with his wife here it's that's kind of done tenfold where there are 300 men both seemingly guarding and courting and also just telling the story of this countess of the feats we don't hear any of these feats we just know that they are there and this is a good point to talk about as well a very interesting aspect of this kind of storytelling which i've quite liked is the action, no time at all is devoted to the action itself, to the fights. It's all plot and pacing and he went here and this was said. But when it comes to fighting monsters or overthrowing men, it is such a given that Paredir is going to win that very little detail is ever given. It's just, it's so swift. As Phil Pullman says, it's as clear as water. Just Paredir went and he overthrew the men. It's it's not important how he did it because we just know that he did and it was always going to be easy. A fight is only worth talking about if it's if it's balanced, if it's even. Hence, why one of my favorite stories from Fireside still to this day is the fight between Ferdia and Cúchulainn at the Ford. It really is a fight that that ultimately, if you know about Cúchulainn, you know that Cúchulainn is going to win. But there is a real, real chance that Ferdia is going to get him. And there's such a saga to that fight. So if a fight's going to be interesting, it's worth uh, devoting time to. But action movies and media have conditioned us to such a point where we think the action is the exciting part rather than the individual plot points and the journey that Peredir goes on. And these, this is far more about the different places that he goes rather than any big bad. And he defeats, he overthrows these 300 this retinue of 300 men and then finally comes to the countess herself and is able to reunite these these two lovers these two people who had missed each other and who couldn't get through and because he's such a nice guy Peredir even says yeah yeah I overthrew these 300 men but you know if he had had a chance he would have done it like way more Peredir is even an incredible wingman to Edlim uh, Edlim Gledef Goch and to repay him for that, Edlim decides he'll keep going with Peredir. He'll finish the journey with him and go all the way to the Mound of Mourning, where we meet this retinue of three, the owners of 300 pavilions. So a pavilion is a great big tent. The owners of 300 pavilions implies almost that like each was a leader and then there was more men in the pavilion. So it could have been far, far more than 300 men. And Peredith overthrows a hundred on the first day and a hundred on the second day. And then the hundred that are left have more sense. And they are there waiting for the serpent to die, at which point they will beat the ever-loving shite out of each other to decide who is going to take this stone, this 
what is, for all intents and purposes, the Philosopher's Stone. It is a stone that can create gold, uh, except it, it seems to take the form of actual riches. So Peredia, to make it all easier, that is, and that is a, a point in the versions I'm adapt both the versions I'm adapting from the Oxford World Classics edition and the Matt Addis narrated audiobook, is that Peredia, they offer to go with him and fight, and Peredia very specifically says, no, I have to fight him myself, which to me implies that, yes, he, do, he wants an end to the squabbling and the fighting, whereas he can easily go and defeat this monster who we get no description of, isn't, isn't considered important for the sake of the story. What is important is Pereira getting it and how he decides to end this conflict between all of these men, which is to pay them for what that time that they had there for. So created enough gold from this stone to pay each of them what he felt they were worth and what they felt they had given enough to, time to and sent them off on their way. And finally, he gives the stone to Edelim to go back to the Countess of the Feats to live in prosperity, creating an endless amount of gold while Peredia continues on his merry way onto the next quest. Every part of it fits beautifully. It just is a nice, flowing, epic knight's tale. And it was worth giving it its own episode four because of how much of a beginning and middle and end it has considering in the book and in the stories i'm adapting it from it is a part of a greater story that is just split into very distinct chapters and with that i'll wrap things up but that is the story of paredia and the serpent of the cairn and again i hope you enjoyed it please do follow me over on instagram at fireside bard email me at the fireside bard at gmail.com please do follow uh, support at headstuff plus over at headstuffpodcast.com link in the description where for as little as five euro a month you can make a real difference to keeping this podcast afloat and keeping it growing and becoming better and better next week we will have the final story of Peredia which is the story of Peredia and the Fortress of Wonders this is becoming like Harry Potter now Harry Potter and the Serpent of the Cairn I'll see you all you'll hear me all next time and remember wherever you are and wherever you go you can always join me by the fireside This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.